All right. Welcome to the Enterprise Design Podcast brought to you by VMR Design. We are talking about organizational structures and enterprise design today with Matul Bhatt. Uh, he is the director of UX for several parts of VMware, including my team and Tushar's. So we get to talk to him on a daily basis. Uh, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, Matul? Tell the audience who you are. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Matul Bhatt. I am the director of product design here at VMware. I lead, uh, uh, I would say, one business unit, the design for one business unit, and and two of our operational teams uh, at VMware. I've, I'd say I've been in this discipline for a little over 16 years now, and uh, I love what I do. Yeah, and there's more to that. There's more to that because 16 years, multiple organizations of different sizes at different stages, and I'm sure he has so much to talk about organizational structure in enterprise design. That's quite a mouthful, by the way. So... Let's get started with that. So, Mithul, what prompted you to talk about this one topic? And and it seems such a broad topic. So, is there anything specific that you are interested in sharing with our audience today? Yes, uh, in the sense, it, it's true. It's a very broad topic, uh, but it's a topic that's very close, very close to me because I've realized over the years, and especially as we, as I've been leading design teams, that uh, that how the design team is structured in a particular organization really reflects one the understanding of that organization of design and about design where it places design and second also the amount of success that this team can have in the structure in which it operates so a lot of times it's not only about you know how good your design team is or what's the size of your design team in with relevant in relevance to the overall size of the organization it's also about how are you how are you operating? How are you? How are you structured to operate? And that's that's something that I've realized. Oftentimes, people tend to miss in conversations, um, and that's why something it's something that I uh, that's close to me, and I'd want to speak about more, or at least get people to think about it as they are thinking about building design organizations. Okay, excellent. So, so I think the topic should be. Um, structuring your organization for structure for success. Sure. I, I have some questions though, like how, cause, cause you've, uh, to your point, you've been here like, well, been in design for 16 years, not right here, <laughs> but you've had a lot of experience in different places. Um, yes. it's not necessarily the first thing a designer breaking into industry thinks about, right. Um, you kind of learn it along the way. So what was kind of your first experience that brought this to light for you and what are the different structures that you've worked in in your past so yes it's not it's definitely not the first thing that somebody who's starting that discipline in design cares about because here's the thing when you're starting off i think you care about the craft with anything else like with anything else right you want to be good at what you're doing and it's only when you've spent enough time mastering the craft and you believe now it's your time to give back to the industry to is when you start thinking about, you know, either uh, building design teams or moving into a management function, leading design organizations. And at that stage, these are questions that become relevant and pertinent to you. And I've, I've realized that, you know, over the years that, and I still hold this, that 
even though we're in the valley, the understanding of what this discipline is and what it can do to your organization is still very nascent. And we are in the hub. Like if you, if this is the understanding in the valley, the expectation would be that if you are in other areas across the globe, the understanding is only going to be either lesser than this or maybe at most at par with this, but definitely not, not more evolved than this. Yeah. And 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 that's what you know has made me realize that hey, if people don't understand what design can do for you then they're not never going to give the kind of importance that I believe design should garner in an organization. And it's on to us leaders, right? To like all of us, like all of us, the three of us here, we are responsible for our own uh, organizations. And it's up to us to make that happen. And one aspect of making that, you know, making design relevant to our organization is how our own own design organization is. So I'd say I I understood it early in this discipline that you know how successful design would be in an organization is going to be defined by the person who's leading the design team. And for the person who's leading the design team, it's important that for them to be able for them to be successful and for them to be able to make the organization successful, the the structure is right. Because if the structure is not right, there is no way that, you know, they'll be able to have the kind of impact that they want to have. And, uh, like, I, I think the two of you know that one one area that I really like is poetry. And I think this was maybe roughly around 10 years ago that I'd come across this one. One, it's an, He's an Indian uh, poet called Shahab uh, Zafri. And he was, you know born pre-independent India and then largely wrote between the 50s and the 70s and 80s. But at that time, I'd written this one couplet, which stayed with me, especially with respect to what we do, is where he spoke about the fact, and I'll I, I, I state it in, in Hindi maybe, and then uh, translate it, Laurel, for you. No, please but, do. I want to hear both. I'm excited to hear you speak in Hindi. Shahab had written at that time, and this has been quoted a couple of times, even in the Indian parliament. So it's something that, you know, is relevant to a lot of walks of life. But it's written that, you know, to idhar udhar ki baat na kar, ye bata ki kafla kyun luta, mujhe reh jano se gila nahi teri reh bari pe sawal hai. Kya baat Which essentially means that, you know, you don't talk about everything under the sun tell me who looted the procession that I was a part of. And I have no issues with the people who looted it, but I do question your leadership. And for and if you look at design within an organization and the state and, and, and the level at which it, the understanding of design is, it is very, very important that every single design leader in this, in your organization, believes in what design can do mm-hmm. because only then the others can be successful so so i figured that out so for me it was very critical that at some stage when i get into this that's what i'm going to focus on so i have a question because oftentimes what happens is uh organization or a company realizes after they've already developed their product management team engineering team they oh we need a designer and sometimes it's just some random person <laughs> It's a designer, you know, wreck, and then they hire that person and they work in isolation. So there's not even the usually the thought of hiring someone from a leadership perspective. Now, 
I understand that that designer can be a leader, but that's not always the expectation or understood by that designer. So how, how does one work when they're put into those circumstances to potentially, you know, grow the um, maturity of the, of the design quote unquote team? I know it's team of one for those leaders at a company or organization that might feel so unattainable to even talk to. Let's see, uh, if you are a team of one or if you are in a smaller organization, I think the, the problem is different in the sense that then there is no design team or design org, right? When I am in a 100% startup and I am the lone wolf designer in that 100% startup, then there is no discipline of design that has yet been built at this stage, at least. At that time, the focus is on helping attain what the startup's goals are. I think yeah. the problem really becomes relevant once we, once we thinking of how am I going to build a design organization? But it has to start somewhere, right? So even that person, that first person, um, at that startup or whatever, like might be the the seed or in, the instigator to growing that team at some point, right? Um, that's true, know, but that's it's just still a my team, right? No, yeah. that's true, but it's still a team. See, there's a difference between a team and an organization. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you are, a, if you, if, if I have four designers who are reporting to me, I am responsible for one team because I am the, I am the say it all for that, for that team of five. Mm-hmm. But the moment, you know, I have now peers, so I have other design leaders with whom who are my peers. And then I have a boss who is responsible for design, or I don't even have a boss who's responsible for design, but I do have three other peers. Now we're talking about building a critical mass for design. And the way you would approach that is going to be very different from, you know, it's my kingdom. So in a startup, when you are the first one and you're moving to scale your design team, you're still building a kingdom for yourself, not necessarily with, you know, the intent might not be that. The intent might still be right where you want design to be positioned adequately within that organization and the need is there. But it's still you at the helm of it and you're building this team. I think for you, it'll start becoming real about, you know, how am I going to build an organization is once this startup starts growing and you realize that, you know, the team I have is not a team that I can manage by myself. Now I need to get in more leaders in here. And that's when you start having these conversations about, okay, so now I'm talking about getting more leaders in, then what kind of uh, design org structure is going to be optimal for the kind of work that I'm doing? Uh, but here as well, you know, the nature of your products and the organization defines the structure. Like, are you a bouquet of services or are you, you know, offering three different products which are independent for three different sectors and, you know, can operate independently without really having any cross connections. And depending on what you are, your org structure might be different. Um, as long as we're playing the game of one, it's about the craft, it's about execution, it's about getting awareness and all of that. But once you grow up, when you have the multiplying effect, when you have multiple leaders now, and and I think that is very relevant to our niche here when we say large organizations in the tech industry. I was reading somewhere mm-hmm. that it's the industry, it's the size and it's the stage in which your company is, uh, where uh, based on what you want to optimize the most effective structure for your for success. Now, since we're talking about large organizations in the tech industry, I think those two things are, are, are set. What probably changes is the stage in which our organization grows from that 
not one person, but one leader, like Nicole said, you know, one, four people under one. But when it becomes, when it starts to grow, how do you then dynamically find the best uh, structure or how do you keep them most effective? So I have one question, Mithul. Before we uh, go any further, can we for our audiences define what do you think are the top few structures, if they have names, that you think we should choose from? I would say largely if you look at, especially the enterprise world, and if you look at bigger organizations, you would you can break them into either they are decentralized design organizations, which means that you know every vertical has its own design leader and its own design team, and they are rolling up within the vertical and are responsible for that particular business unit's uh, uh, profit and loss. Or there is a centralized structure wherein you know you have this one central organization that's looking at the entire product portfolio. Now within these, within centralized, you can have an agency model like you know wherein hey, you come to me for for a design need, I'll, I'll, I'll charge you back for the work that I do with you and, then, and, and I will give you the kind of designers based on what you're willing to pay me. So all my designers have a cost associated with it. So depending on if you're choosing a designer in, in, in the Bay Area in the US or depending on, or you know, someone based in Bangalore in India, the charges might differ, but, but that's the cost charge back structure, which is like an agency. How it will operate, the only difference being we are internal to you, so as opposed to being an external agency. And then the third model within the same centralized structure would be, I think, the one that we follow at VMware to a large extent, which is the centralized partnerships model, which is where we are saying that the business unit funds your headcount, which means that you know you are no longer uh, a designer who can be moved from A to B and B to C. You are responsible for the product who's paying for you, but at the same time, you are a part of this larger whole design org. So the sense of purpose of you know making or your ability to make an impact is amplified. So you'd never feel alone, even if you are that one single designer in that business unit, because you have this team of you know whatever your size be supporting you for whatever you're doing and being there. And then of course you have your leadership to fight the battle for you, which you cannot fight had you been the only designer in that business unit. So that's the centralized partnerships model. And again, the model, I'm not saying A is better than B or C, but depending on what your product portfolio is and what's the level of maturity of design, which means how much people understand value respect design in that organization, a can be better than B or C can be better than A. So. Well, and then the technical side, right? I feel like there's enterprise products out there that aren't as, I don't know, uh, engineering techie as ours, right? <laughs> the 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 That's users nice. that we build products for aren't the same as other, um, other like Salesforce. I think of like it's. I mean, I'm sure there's a variety of products that they have. Uh, but it's for a lot of people who are doing sales things, right? Maybe that's a little easier to understand um, from a user perspective as to what they do. I think at VMware, it's extremely technical and requires a lot of, um, I just think of my own business, you know, everyone's a little different, right? But like, they're network engineers. I'll never understand fully <laughs> their life <laughs> um, and and the things that they do, because I'd have to go back to school and get like a degree in it, right? Or certification or something. Um, and certain org structures are thinking of the work that comes along with that, right? The projects that come 
uh, to the designers. I think it'd be a lot harder. Again, this is my perspective, but a lot harder to do some of those projects with one type of org structure versus another, um, like the agency one. If I'm being thrown around to different teams here at VMware yeah. working on a variety of different products, I will never fully understand uh, those things as much. Yeah. That's true. You're, you're right. Like, you know, I think uh, for product organizations, especially the agency structure has its own pitfalls because you would never understand, like you might, before you fully understand what the product is supposed to do, you might be pulled out and pushed into something else. Yeah. And generally in product organizations, product life cycles are long enough as opposed to, you know, a services company where you are doing something and moving into a different product soon enough. So, mm -hmm. So you're, you're right. I think an agency structure for product companies and especially in a technically complex domain might not be the most optimized or the optimal one. You might need something like centralized partnerships or a completely decentralized organization. Yeah. So maybe speak to that a little bit because I, I cut you off there. We talked about centralized orgs and then the little op <coughs> the three yeah. options within that. Yeah. So I think the one area that we didn't I don't know if it touched upon or not, but the, the the major difference between when you go decentralized versus, at least according to me, when you go uh, central, uh, centralized with centralized partnerships is going to be your product portfolio. So let's say if you are like an alphabet, right, where you have multiple different companies rolling up to making you a single entity. Like, you know, you have a Waymo and then you have a YouTube and then you have a Google search. You might not, like a centralized model might not make as much sense because not all of your entities constantly interact or talk to you. Even your users don't jump from one to another for that matter. And even if they do, they jump as a completely different persona. Like I, me taking or hailing a Waymo versus me being a network engineer uh, or me being a content creator for YouTube or meet as three different personas altogether. So a, a decentralized structure for them and also then for the size that we're looking at, right? We're looking at a hundred thousand plus people company maybe might be very different. But if you look at something like a VMware for that matter, where, you know, our product offerings are tightly coupled with each other. At the end of the day, we are a, we offer our customers a bouquet of products, wherein we say that if you, our, our goal is land and expand, as we say, right? If you buy one of our products, then to get the max out of that product, we will also say buy this one. And when you buy the second one, then you buy the third one. So we are trying to protect or we're trying to essentially take care of your entire customer journey. From the time you are provisioning something for your data center all the time to all the way to, you know, your ability to manage it, and protect it so in a scenario like that wherein the products are constantly going to be dependent on each other having a decentralized structure where these design teams that are responsible for the entire experience are not interconnected really shows up in your product experience and that's where a model like ours the one that we have where we have this function centralized but in the form of a partnership so which means that designers are not treated as agency people and there are no chargebacks, works better. So if you, for anybody in this discipline, look at, you know, they should be looking at what their offering is. So if they think, even if it's a small startup, it's, you know, a relatively smaller team, 
if your products are talking to each other, maybe you should aim at building a more centralized design organization versus, you know, if you have three different products taking care of three different services at this uh, three different industries, and you don't know if, you know, which one's going to take off and how the startup's going to grow, then you can still consider having a more decentralized model. So you're saying that if there are product-based divisional structures, but if the products talk to each other, like they're from the same market, they should absolutely have a singular view from the design perspective so that the end-to-end experience works as expected, as seamlessly as possible. Yeah. So the markets can still be different. Like for us, our products are used in healthcare, aviation, and banking, right? So the markets that our products are used in are still pretty varied. But the personas that are using, whether it's somebody using in healthcare or are still more or less the same. Like we're still talking to administrators. They might be system admins. They might be network admins. They might be NOC operators, depending on where they're sitting. But they're largely still those data center administrators to whom we are selling or who are going to essentially be using the products. So if there is that interconnect, then I don't think a decentralized structure is going to be really worthwhile. Even, and and we've seen this, like even in, in AWS for that matter, where there is also a decentralized structure, they also have a centralized structure. So sometimes I think as organizations grow, you might also realize that, you know, it's bound to happen that a single structure is not going to be the end all for that org. So you might have one big single central design org, but then you will also have these small satellite teams that are coming out and sprouting and which is okay. Like I think the goal or the vision should be that at some stage you like these should be connected to your hub. So this should be connected to the central team in some way and form and not operate in total isolation. Right, which is not just for um, consistency, but also for most effective skill development and productivity increase within the team because you're learning from each other, you're yeah. able to critique yours and all of that good stuff that one central design team can bring in for the organization, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So you're saying that needs to stay. You cannot have people join every single team because they want to understand and be a part of that product division. They still have to be very much aligned to the design team. See, we should not isolate designers because that is where I have a fear that, you know, the moment you have, because we'll always, like I've said this, even like we've had these discussions multiple times, design's always going to be in the minority, right? Even when people, when they're talking ratios, they're talking ratios where it is one is to, you know, X is to X, which is one is to more is to more. It's never the other way around where we're talking about developer ratios where, you know, one developer to 10 designers to five product managers. It's always going to be one designer to five product managers to 10 developers. So we're always going to be in the minority. And when you're in the minority, what is very, very critical is you have critical mass. Because if you don't have critical mass, you cannot enforce change. Because one, you are you are singular, or maybe you are two or three. Second, you are up against authority. This means that if you are two or three, chances are you're not a VP of design with two designers. You're most likely a design manager with two designers, which means that you are not in a position of power in that organization in the first place. And two, you're against, you know, uh, 
against uh, your generally, and I shouldn't say against, but when you, even when you're working with others, with with developers, product managers, you're always you will be that one designer in the room with five developers, and either you know asking them why what you're proposing is the best, or asking them to change what they've already built. In all of these scenarios, you would require you know some level of support that gives you mental peace. If nothing, I need support to vent my frustrations out with somebody who speaks my language and understands what I do. And I think all of that can happen if you have this mass, like if you have this 10 individual designers, but they're all still a part of this one big design team, they still know that, hey, we belong somewhere. And we're not one floating entity like a satellite somewhere in the sky. But not connected elsewhere. Yeah, the classic unity is strength from kindergarten. <laughs> yes. And also for design operations to be successful in a large organization, when we spoke to Red and Colin, we realized that there are operations in place to make a design team successful, just to be able to do things at scale. And so for all of those reasons too, we need to stay together. Actually, that's a very good point. I haven't even touched upon those points, but everything that helps the organization like you know like for design to to flourish outside of the core product design job that designers are going to do you won't be even be able to build any of those functions whether it be you know building research functions design operations accessibility functions without you having that critical skill if you are a single designer you're not going to ask for you know give me an an accessibility engineer to work alongside because your ask is going to be give me three more designers because i can't do this all but the moment you are 10, 20, 30, then you can say, now I need you know five researchers, or now I need one design ops person that helps streamline everything that I'm doing. So I think that is very, very important. That, that That's again a play of scale. And that scale can only come if, we, if the org is connected. Like the research support that we got for Lumos uh, from our research team. Exactly. It's, it's also very... Um... It's been interesting. So like, you know, not all teams are centralized. So we've been evolving, right? And I kind of want to speak to that in a moment. Um, but just to, I guess, uh, give some perspective, like, you know, my own team, we were in isolation. And one of the things that was appealing about joining the design org was not only just being around other designers, because uh, that is, it can be very lonely. <laughs> Even if you have a small team, it's like, wait, there's a whole central org over there that we have nothing to do with. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, to, to Shar's point, um, like having all of the other parts of the central org available there and knowing, it's not like we couldn't reach out to them. In fact, we did. Like we did talk to the accessibility yeah. team and Clarity and all that. But it 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 feels more appropriate to do it when you're part of the design org. Like I feel like now I'm not just talking to another team, I'm talking to my team and they're here to support me. Um, not just me reaching out from afar with this other like kind of external team that we were. Um, so it's been very, very helpful having that. And yeah, I found that to be the most, uh, one of the most appealing parts of it. Um, but I want to talk about the evolution of this stuff because it, it's not like overnight, suddenly you switch from one structure to another. So what are some of the, the challenges and uh, th that you've seen with transitioning to a new org structure? That's a good point. I want to touch upon one aspect that Laurel, as you were speaking about, 
I, I thought about, which I hadn't touched about earlier, which is that it also gives individuals a lot more opportunity to grow. Because, you know, there will come a time in your, like when you're a part of this organization where you think that I have done this enough. Like I've supported this product for three years. I know it well enough, uh, but I need a new challenge. Now, if you are that siloed designer in a decentralized organization, you're most likely going to look for that challenge outside of the company that you are in. So in a scenario where everything else is checking out for you, like you like the place you're working, you like the product space you are in, this also gives you an opportunity to explore different products. Like, you know, you can go and be a, a designer or, you know, you can take your career into a design position that's available in a different team. And and that also helps you to, you know, keep at least people more engaged. And we don't keep losing people left, right, and center. We at least give opportunities internally, which, which is possible, I would say, due to, due to having this centralized model. So yeah, that's one part I hadn't touched upon, but I was reminded while you spoke. Fair so point. Thank you. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> and uh, then yeah, coming coming back to the challenges as you are moving into a or defining a structure, I think it starts with your uh, ability to to make the leaders within your organization understand what structure should they invest in. Because the moment we're talking about going centralized, it essentially also means that you are now expecting a lot of leaders to pool in and work together uh, from various different business units, as opposed which so which is a little different than you know if they were supposed to take some of these decisions in isolation. Like a GM of a BU has a lot more autonomy when he or she is not dependent on you know taking that decision based on what the gm of the other bu also decides upon and a lot of times when you want to build this centralized organization you need buy-ins from all of these gms they should all believe into that vision because that's when they're going to invest in that money and understand that okay because in a centralized partnership model when they are investing in this money they are pouring the money in but they are they are understanding that they're losing the headcount so headcount is still not a part of their business unit, unless of course this team entirely rolls up within their business unit. So they, so there is always that averseness that hey, you're taking my money away, but I'm not getting the person, like as as a part of my my group. For some it might matter, for some it might not. But that is one one real challenge that we come across. Second is I think making people realize that you know this is. The moment we talk about centralized, the one notion that comes to mind for most people, because that's the only one that most of the people have been, I would say, uh, have experienced over their career, is the agency model. So their feeling is that, okay, you'll now give me a designer when I need, and you'll most likely charge me back for it. And if you're, even if you're not charging me back for it, you know, I would not have continuity that I require because my product needs that to continue to build sustainable experiences. So I am fearful of the fact that, you know, today I'll get one, tomorrow you'll tell me all my designers are busy, I don't have one, now where do I? So making people realize that, you know, that's not how this functions is also very, very important. So that's one aspect of it, which is, you know, we touch upon what are the possible pitfalls that might that people might have. But then second is also explaining them what are the benefits that they have through this model, right? 
like we can hire better people faster because we are a we uh, we operate as a critical mass like you we all know right like when we go out and when we have a presence like people know about vmware designs it attracts better people than one obscure team that nobody knows about everything whether it be you know having a medium presence or or this podcast that you folks are doing or you know activities that we do elsewhere when it comes to evangelizing working with university students whether it be at stanford tufts things places where we are working right now is so that people understand what vmware designs identity is and that helps us hire people and it it attracts better talent it attracts talent that would want to work at vmware so some of these benefits we need to call out as well well, I think another benefit is that it's very hard in an agency style to be involved at the right time in a project. Oftentimes when it, they come to us, it's already late. It's been defined. We're not fully capable of, of providing the more strategic you know, design research and involvement right from the start because we're usually brought in once they've already defined it. That is, that is true. In this scenario, we are always there. Like That's the reason we're not a service. In fact, we are like we are an equal partner to the product development process, just like a product manager or an engineer would be. We are essentially that the third leg of that stool, so to speak. So let's talk about how we should have you know people at the ground level, product managers and engineering folks with whom we work, also clearly see how we operate. That while we are part of the central organization, we are equal partners in what they have because in most cases i have personally seen that uh, product managers come and say hey how long do we have this designer do we have it only for a quarter can we have more do you understand the domain so they they doubt our knowledge of their product and the focus and they also worry about how long we are going to be available and at what uh, bandwidth so how do you think, and I want to hear from both you and Laurel uh, and Mithul perspectives on how we can make it in, interesting and easy for them to understand that. It's very important that people across the organization are aware of what's, under what structure is the design team operating and how is the design team structured. Because a lot of these questions tend to come because people don't know how this design team is structured and how we operate, right? Because... Uh, they look up that designer and they see, okay, this is not rolling up under my my GM. And then they are wondering, okay, so this is a third team. So now what are their priorities? I don't know. They are talking to this design manager who's maybe given them this one person. So they have this thing that, okay, now I have a person, but I don't know for how long I am going, going to have them. So I think it's a lot about evangelism, about you know how we operate and what we do and how we are structured in the larger scheme of things that people should be aware of because not all centralized teams within an organization are structured the way the design team is, right? Like you might have other centralized offerings as well. Like you have the whole operations unit where you have, you know, you have sales, which is centralized for, for an organization like, like this, or for that matter, you have things, functions like HR and others, which are centralized, but they operate very differently. We are, go to engineering, so to say, like we are, you know, product management, engineering and design. So when we are centralized, people have no understanding of what our centralization means. And I think evangelizing that right at the grassroots level 
is very very critical so once you know the structure is formed and you know the organization sort of has decided that it's going to invest in design only in this particular structure then the leadership's job number two would be that okay now let's make sure that every single person within this organization is aware of how design is going to operate in this structure like what to expect what not to expect all of that so if that is done then i think some of these questions would not come up and it requires being repeated over and over again because new people you know come into the organizations things change like the the business unit you might be part of restructures new leadership so i think oftentimes we we like do one presentation and it's like okay everyone knows now (laughs) i think that's a very important point that that leads us to this fact that i think the next step is then to formulate rituals right like if you think about anything once you have something that you're doing sustainably over a period of time you are essentially ritualizing that practice so at vmware also right when we run shape what started as a one off design event 4 years ago the whole idea of doing it every year even if even through the pandemic moving from in person to virtual hybrid at a smaller scale if we don't have enough time but making or keeping it going is because it's one of vmware designs pure rituals that you're going to continue or doing you know the design with us research sessions that vmware explore or uh, vm void earlier again the same story it's not that we will not get a chance to do conduct research if we don't do it at vmware explore but the whole idea that when we started a practice we want to convert it into a practice that becomes synonymous with what we have done so i think building those rituals are also equally critical and that will then make sure that we keep on doing the same thing over and over and not only once as Gaurav suggests. Exactly. And even at the tactical level, we started something which I call inform and align. Every time we start a new uh, engagement, no matter how small or big, before we kick off, we talk to them and we explain them our process and then we align with their process to understand how we are going to tailoring that. So that essentially sets up the tone. So we are all um, set up for success. Let's move into the last question before we we wrap up the podcast. Really? Yes. Are we really closing it? (laughs) I know. We could talk for hours. (laughs) A lot of uh, what we're trying to aim for is bringing visibility to what the enterprise space is like. Meaning, how does it compare to consumer products and working working at a company that builds consumer products, I mean? So is there, do you feel like any considerations or differences of organizational structures uh, with with those two things in mind or not really? In, at least in my limited experience and understanding, I don't think that whether it's like the area within which you operate should necessarily define the structure with which you should operate. So consumer or enterprise should have no bearing on what structure. I was a part of Nokia at one stage in my career when Nokia was still predominantly a, a phone manufacturer. And, and Nokia had this centralized design organization called Nokia Designs, which was out of SPU. And then there were these smaller teams across the globe responsible for various product lines all connected to Nokia. So Nokia was predominantly a consumer company still, but had a similar structure. and also had a hybrid structure because there were also 
standalone teams there, but largely for its main businesses, it still had the same decentralized partnerships more or centralized partnerships model where it wasn't decentralized, so to say. So I don't think whether it's consumer or whether it is enterprise should make a difference. It's about, you know, the kind of offerings that you have, the scale at which you're operating. I think these are factors that would define whether you continue to remain decentralized or you move in a more centralized fashion. All right. And that brings us to the end of today's conversation. If you're a single designer or a single team, absolutely go focus on the craft, make connections with your cross-functional partners. But as your team grows multifold, it is super important to stay together, form an effective partnership and uh, structure, which is going to be crucial to maximizing the collective benefits of the design org. Mithul, thank you for joining us and for sharing your views on the importance of org structures for design to be successful. And dear listeners, thank you so much for the support that we have been receiving. It is making it so much more um, exciting for us. So keep listening, commenting, sharing, and take good care of yourself. Signing off, Laurel and Tushar. Bye-bye.